Welcome to the Latin Rocks Podcast, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything related to ancient Rome. Now get ready for today's topic. Let's talk about Roman history. Most people, when they think of Rome, they picture the classical buildings, the marble, the columns, the statues, and all of that came to be Rome, of course. But I want to talk about the entire history of Rome. An ambitious undertaking, but here we are. Rome started out as a monarchy. Kings ruled Rome. The little city that was Rome, the little hilltop that became Rome, was founded by kings. And in its early years, the earliest 200 years, was a monarchy. The kings were overthrown. People didn't like living under kings. They wanted, like many other civilizations, to govern themselves. At that time, they threw out the kings. They got rid of the kings of Rome and had a republic where people voted. And the rulers weren't rulers, but what are called consuls. And then the consulship, the republic fell, and Rome became an empire for the rest of its uh, rest of its history. So, monarchy, republic, empire. How do we keep this all straight? What do we? Uh, what framework do we have? And this is what I want to provide for you today. Roman history, I find, can be divided roughly into periods of 250 years, starting from its founding to its end. I'll fudge it a little bit here as we go, but you'll see Roman history will, will uh, nicely break into 250-year segments, and this will give you a better understanding of what it means when we say Rome. Now, in truth, the history of the Roman people, and we aren't going to put dates on this yet, Rome uh, traces its lineage even pre-Rome, back to the Trojan War, back to the hero Aeneas. Aeneas was the son of the goddess Venus and uh, a mortal named Anchises. And when Troy was falling uh, and when embers were falling on people's heads and the Greeks were racing through the city, Aeneas grabbed his son, grabbed his father, his wife followed along, and they left Troy. And they escaped. And they got in their boats, and they went throughout the Mediterranean, landing, notably, in Carthage, this will come up, North Africa, and finally finding their way to the Roman Peninsula. And there in the Roman Peninsula, Aeneas landed and had generations of offspring. Now, this is the origin of the Roman people. Let's get into the details. What about the city of Rome? The city of Rome was founded by Romulus and Remus, twin brothers, sons of Rhea Silvia and the god Mars. That's correct. The god Mars. If you remember the stock, the Roman stock, Aeneas was uh, born of Venus and Romulus and Remus were born from the god Mars. And when they got old enough, they left their hometown to find a new town. And they settled upon this great location along the River Tiber that had seven hills. Romulus stood on one of the hills. Remus stood on the other. And what you did in that day was look for a sign. And so they did. They looked for the sign, the auspices. And Remus saw six birds in the sky and said, yes, 
there's the sign I was looking for. And thereupon Romulus saw twelve. And Remus said, well, I saw them first. And Romulus said, I saw more. And Remus said, I saw them first. And Romulus said, I saw more. And they sadly came to blows and Romulus killed Remus. And this explains why the city is called Rome and not Reem. Comes from the name of Romulus. Now there's another story, also interesting, that the confrontation is still the same. They got into a confrontation, but Remus jumped over the walls that Romulus had started to build, and Romulus killed him and said, thus to anybody who shall jump over Rome's walls. And so uh, that's a great, uh, great story for the Romans, too. So, 753 BC is the date you're looking for. April 21st, 753 BC, the traditional date for the founding of Rome. And thus starts the monarchy period. Romulus is the first king of Rome. So, 753 BC, Romulus is king, and the monarchy, the history of Rome, has begun. So I said, you know, I like the 250-year increments, 750 is fine. Now this monarchy period lasts 753 BC to 509. Conveniently fits into my plan, 750 to 500, 250-year plan. And there were a series of seven kings. Seven kings ruled Rome. And we don't need to go into the detail for them right now. Again, I am providing only a framework. But of the uh, seven kings that ruled Rome, they eventually got a little worse, a little worse, a little worse. And the last king, his name was Tarquinius Superbus. Tarquin the Proud. Tarquin with the Attitude. And things got so bad under Tarquin that he was kicked out, with good reason, of Rome by Brutus. Now, the name Brutus may not be unfamiliar to you. Yes, this is the same name of Brutus uh, who murdered Caesar. And he was called upon, and people have used this name uh, when it came to Caesar. We're going 500 years now with the time of Caesar. Brutus who killed Caesar, they called upon him to remember your namesake, remember your family's lineage, and get rid of this king-to-be of Julius Caesar. So, yes, the Brutus that you know of from Julius Caesar, the Brutus that you know of uh, from Shakespeare, the et tu Brutus, is descended 500 years down the road from this Brutus that deposed, that uh, got rid, that did away with the monarchy in Rome. So, with the monarchy out of the way, what the Romans did, so from 509 till the end of the Republic, which was roughly at zero, at 509, a republic was started. In other words, there were two people that ruled Rome, two consuls. And you might ask, what does a consul mean? Uh, the consul doesn't mean anything. The consul gets its word from advice. Just like if you were to say, what does president mean? President doesn't necessarily mean anything. The president is the president. Uh, I guess you would argue that the origin of the word, the president presides over the executive branch or perhaps the country. But any no more so than what does a president mean? What does a consul mean? The president is the one in charge, and in Rome it was a consul. Not a council, but a consul. C-O-N-S-U-L. And they were so concerned about a king, a single person getting power again, that they had two consuls that would serve 
side by side, and they would only serve for one year. So if you think about the four years that we currently have in the United States, uh, but no, these were two people serving one-year terms. And after one year, you had to wait. You couldn't be elected consul again for another 10 years. And so this, is, this went on for 500 years. And as many of you know, this happened until Julius Caesar. But we'll get to that. I said we're going to do frameworks of 750, 500, 250. In 250... Rome had gotten big enough. It had moved from this little hilltop under the monarchs, you know, in the monarchy to where it expanded, expanded, expanded to eventually in the 250 time frame, they were able to engage. They were big enough to engage in a series of wars with the Phoenicians from North Africa. And they are these are referred to as the Punic Wars because Punic is the Latin word for Phoenician. And they, they lived in Carthage. Uh, the actual years of the Punic Wars, the first, there are three of them. The first Punic War was 264 to 241, and it was instigated by an event that happened in Sicily, southern Italy. Uh, the second Punic War was 218 to 201, and that engaged Hannibal. You might have heard Hannibal coming over with the elephants crossing the Alps. Uh, that was in the later parts of the 200s. And then there was a third Punic War, another 50 years later, from 149 to 146. And uh, Carthage must be destroyed is the phrase that is used. Carthago de Lenda Est. I don't intend to speak on the details of any of these Punic Wars other than what I've said. And obviously, the if it starts... The first Punic War was 264 to 241. That's why I say 250 is a reasonable time frame. In other words, by the middle of the 200s, the Rome was big enough to engage in an international battle uh, across the Mediterranean. The one thing I want to point out about the Carthage and the Phoenicians, remember I said Aeneas left the Trojan, left Troy and landed in Carthage, and there he met Dido. Dido and Aeneas fell in love, and, and he left her. And so this is used as the reason or the long-standing. In other words, it's, the Romans have always had problems with the Phoenicians going back to Aeneas's time. Now, the end of the Republic comes roughly at zero. Julius Caesar was not an emperor. There were many that considered that he wanted to be king, but he died in 44 B.C., his adopted son, Octavian, is the one who became the first emperor. Octavian sought revenge for all those who murdered Caesar. And the revenge was obtained when he defeated Mark Antony in the Battle of Actium in 31 BC. And he was given the title Augustus in 27 BC. And finally, he died in A.D. 14. So as you can see, Augustus ruled Rome as the first emperor from 27 B.C. to A.D. 14. He's, he's the, the emperor, the first emperor that bridged the gap before, between the B.C. and the A.D. And so I think it's fascinating. You think of Rome as, as uh, you know, the empire, but the empire didn't start until roughly the year zero. <laughs> The empire and Christianity started together, if you want to think of it in that way. So, there's my, my summary. 750, 500, 
250, zero. 750, Rome was founded. 500, the monarchy fell. 250, the Rome was big enough to engage in an international scale. And zero, the start of the empire. Let's move forward through the empire. And ideally, I'd like to go to 250, but I can't quite get to 250. I've got to go to 200. More importantly, 212. In 212, the Edict of Caracalla granted Roman citizenship to anybody who lived within the empire's borders, whether that was north in Scotland, where Hadrian's Wall was, you know, that border there, all the way south through Spain and, and to North Africa, all were granted Roman citizenship. And that was in 212. And so again, this is where I say I want to fudge it. 250, uh, I, got to, I got to pick an event before 250 and right after 250. And in fact, some people consider this the fall of Rome. When everybody was a Roman citizen, there was nothing left that made Rome unique. And if you read Mary Beard's book, uh, SPQR, she's a Roman historian, very well-known, very respe well-respected, with good reason. Uh, she ends her book on Roman history in 212 because she says, after that, everybody was a Roman, so there's nothing unique about it. All had citizenship. I like to go further for a couple of different reasons. Let's jump ahead. Again, I said 250 seems reasonable. I have, in this seg segment, I have to select 212 and 312. The Battle of the Milvian Bridge when Constantine was emperor. And in battle, he looked up in the sky and saw the Cairo, the symbol of the cross. And under almost unsurmountable odds, he won. And he credited that to the symbol of Christianity. And on his deathbed is said to have converted to Christianity. So in 330 AD, the Roman civilization became Christian. Christianity was recognized in 330. Now, arguably Rome continued. In 410, Rome was sacked. Vandals coming from the north came and attacked Rome. And in 410, they sacked the city for the first time. So if you want to say, oh, well, there you go. The security of Rome was uh, marks the end of Rome. No, 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 no. The, they, they didn't hold it. But it is in 476, and this is where I say 500 for our purposes, for our framework. 476, Rome was once again attacked. And this time, no Roman person sat on the throne in Rome again. Romulus Augustulus in 476 was the last emperor of Rome. And it's a fascinating name, Romulus, the name of the first king, Augustulus, a variation of the first emperor of Rome. And so for admittedly romantic reasons, many people, me included, like to extend the fall, you know, the, what is the fall of the Rome? Rome didn't fall until 476. And it's not just romantic because again, after 476, a Roman did not reside on the throne, as it were, in Rome. Now, a, file, a little footnote on that. The Roman system of government, okay, extended throughout the Middle East. And the Roman system of government in Constantinople, okay, the Romans extended that far and had a position of power in Constantinople, which became Istanbul, when the Turks deposed the Roman elements out of Istanbul. 
So in arguably, some segments of Rome lasted until 1453. And if you think about history, oh, Renaissance 1453. Romans fleeing Constantinople. Landing in Venice had no small effect <laughs> on the Renaissance. Uh, it, there are other factors too. I am not saying and not suggesting that this was the cause of the Renaissance. No, there were there were um, you know Renaissance inklings in you know in Rome at that time. The Brunelleschi uh, was already doing the dome in Florence at that time. Uh, Donatello, uh, Da Vinci, Michelangelo uh, had not yet been born. Uh, so I think that these are, I mean, it's just fascinating. I don't even know if it's a coincidence or not, but fascinating that, that when the system of government of Rome fell in 1453, the Renaissance was under full swing back in Italy and many people fled Constantinople returning to Italy and that just fed the flame of the Renaissance to some degree. So that's your framework. Again, the general framework, monarchy, republic, empire. But let's pin it down a little bit. Monarchy, 753 to 509. Republic, 509 to 27 BC. And then from 27 BC for 500 years to 476 AD, uh, the Roman Empire thrived. A little rough at the end. But let's, let's, it existed until 476 AD. That's the end of this segment on Roman history. I hope you found it helpful. Uh, please let me know if you have any comments, concerns, questions, and have a great day. Thank you for listening to this edition of Latin Rocks. Tune in next time when I discuss another topic from ancient Rome. 